1: there has been one demand and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy period that's all I care about is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here the prime thing is you have to win you have to win otherwise you can't be a success in professional football
2: you're listening to the state of the nation with Jimmy Durkin Vic Tafer, to Reed and Ted Nguyen on the athletic podcast network what's up everybody welcome back to state of the nation here on the athletic podcast network this episode is presented by betmgm the exclusive betting partner of the athletic sign up at betmgm.com using the promo code the athletic pod i am jimmy Durkin, joined as always by vic tafer to Sean reed ted Wynn, and we're basically in the playoffs this is a playoff game on sunday uh, barring a miraculous jaguars win over the colts and uh, the steelers losing to the ravens which that definitely could happen um the Raiders and Chargers are in a winner-take-all playoff game. Winner goes to the playoff, loser goes home. For everything the Raiders have gone through this season, um, I don't think you know a month ago any of us would have predicted this. And it's exciting. I mean, Allegiant Stadium, primetime game, got flexed to Sunday Night Football shortly after we recorded our post-game show uh, on Sunday, and, and we kind of expected that it would. I mean, it, this is the game that it's got so much on the line and I mean, a chance for Derek Carr to earn himself a trip to the playoffs for the first time, a chance for Rich Posacha to maybe uh, coach for his job, Mike Mayock coach for his job. Just so much on the line in this game, and I uh, can't wait for Sunday to get here, really.
3: Yeah, it's the biggest game, I would say, for the Raiders since since that 2011 game, which was uh, ironically also against the Chargers at home to, to decide kind of who gets into the playoffs. Um, they lost that one, and so obviously wow. they won a, a different result um, this time around, um, I, w- I would imagine. You know, this is going to be very close to sold out, if not sold out at Allegiant Stadium. And between L.A. being mostly Raiders fans and and the Raiders fans here in Vegas and, and those traveling from the Bay, it's probably going to be their strongest home crowd this year. And obviously, it's Sunday night football and it's prime time. So it's, it's hard not to get excited about this one. You know, both of these teams, I, I would say that they're pretty evenly matched. Uh, it didn't always seem like that way throughout this season. But um, I, I think they've they both kind of leveled off um going into this final matchup. So I would imagine it would be a, a close game, an exciting game. Obviously the Raiders, uh, you know, if they if they, they pull this one off, they'll, they'll make the the playoffs for the first time in, in twenty sixteen. But, you know, again, as as we said after the game, it's pretty remarkable that they're in this this situation to begin with, given everything that's it's happened with the franchise this season.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's the biggest game in ten years. Uh, all eyes, you know, will be on the Raiders and uh especially Derek Carr. This is definitely, um, you know, eight years in. A very polarizing figure in Raiders uh fandom, but definitely he's got a lot to show here. I think he definitely can take, you know, this his narrative to another level here and kinda of show he's got the guy he is the guy that take this team to the next level, give him to the playoffs. He didn't play when they made the playoffs in twenty sixteen. He got a hurt. So I think definitely for him, it's definitely a, a nice stage and kind of to maybe silence some of the uh, doubters for, for a little bit, not, not permanently, but they'll always pipe up, but for a little while, at least kind of take the reins as being uh, the true franchise quarterback of this team uh, going forward.
0: I agree. I think this is a, a huge game for Derek Carr. I mean, all eyes are going to be on him. You know, the narrative on him has been, you know, depends on who you talk to. He, he's either the worst quarterback in the league or, or, you know, the best, but it, it's basically a playoff game. And, uh, the big criticism of the car is whether he could really carry a team over the hump and this is really a situation where he could prove that he can be that quarterback to really get a team over that that uh or carry a team so we'll see if he's able to do it uh, last time the charger the raiders weren't able to score in the first half against the chargers so I think they need to come out and uh, to a, a much faster start than that I don't think they could afford to go behind twenty you know twenty one zero like like last time and how Carr plays is going to be a big part of that
3: yeah the car is is interesting just because you know even though he's never played in the playoffs i think it's pretty like, it's undeniable that he's a, a good clutch quarterback just because all the, the game winning, you know, drives that he's led. Obviously, it's a, a team thing. It's not just, you know, the quarterback doing that, but I don't think you can win that many and not have some kind of clutch gene in you, you know? But with Carr this year in particular, like, we've seen a different, lo- different level of aggression from him and, uh, that's come with a lot of turnovers, uh, you know. Especially during this this three game winning streak, they've committed seven turnovers, and he's he's responsible for six of them. But given that he's helped them put together some of these these you know game clinching drives at the end of the game, it kind of gets wiped away. And so I think this game, you know, the key for him, especially going against this explosive Chargers offense, is you know finding a way to pair that aggression with taking better care of the football. Which is like obviously not easy to do, but it's possible, you know, he's had some games this season where he has a super high, you know, air yards per attempt and an average, you know, yards per attempt, but he hasn't turned the ball over. So and, and you know, with guys like Darren Waller potentially coming back this week and the team getting a little bit healthier, you know, if they could get one of those clean performances from him where he's pushing the ball downfield but avoiding turnovers, um I, I think the Raiders will have a pretty good shot in this one.
2: I think for for Carr, it's not so much like is he a clutch quarterback I think there's a different thing right between a clutch quarterback, a guy who can deliver, you know, big moments in the fourth quarter, and big game quarterback. I think that's probably been more of the criticism is that Carr hasn't necessarily performed in big games, games against the Chiefs. You know, people go back to the Las Vegas Bowl in, in college where you know they got you know worked by USC, which I mean, your Fresno State playing USC, that that can happen. But I think that's where there's some proving ground. But, you know, it is funny, though, like, Ted, you mentioned kind of the narrative depending on who you talk to. I mean, you look across the national media all week and it's, you know, we need to create rewards for Derek Carr. He's, you know, one of, you know, he's not the MVP, but he's done this, that. I mean, and so it's like, I mean, heaped all the national praise and like deservedly so for the, the way that this team has stayed in the fight but obviously we know how mixed the emotions are among Raider fans and it is weird but I think this is a big opportunity we know he can be a clutch quarterback can he be a big game quarterback this is the biggest game I know he refused to say it on Wednesday this is the biggest game because the last three games have all been must win and, and have been the biggest games but we'll know by kickoff if you lose you're out if you win you're in
0: I mean, we'll get to it later when we uh, interview Daniel Popper, but I think the run game is going to be huge in this game because, you know, Cars talked about how he's not nervous at the end of games. We know he's very clutch at the end of games, but he can get a little amped up in the beginning of games. I think that's going to be a factor, especially in, in the biggest game of his career, too. And, and you're going against a Chargers run defense that, you know, we've talked about this a ton, that is probably the worst run defense in the league. It might be a little better uh, with Justin Jones in, in the lineup, but the Raiders have ran the ball better as of late and they just couldn't do it in that first chargers game. And they tried to establish to run in the first half and it, it really cost them opportunities and made them really inefficient the way that they weren't able to take advantage of that run defense. So that's, that's going to be a, a big factor to a big start too, and to keep the ball away from Justin Herbert. Cause you know, I think the defense has played well. They played against some, you know, really bad quarterbacks, but I don't think this is a game where you could count on or should count on your defense being able to stop uh, Justin Herbert with the way this Chargers um, offense has been playing. So getting this offense going
3: and getting ready for a high scoring game is uh, what the Raiders should be doing. Yeah, I think the biggest factor in the ring game is going to be the health of Josh Jacobs. Um, Obviously, he had that huge game uh, against the Broncos and Really, I mean, the first quarter against the Colts, I I thought he was running really well. I mean, he was averaging over five yards a carry, and and he looked really good, and then he hurt his ribs. And uh, even though we've made the Peyton Barber jokes this, this season, he's, he's not Josh Jacobs, and that was very apparent. Um, even though they, they had a, a solid rushing yardage total, the efficiency just dropped it plummeted from there. And he's been limited in practice so far this week with, with that rib injury. You know, if, if he's able to be healthy in the game and, and feel like Josh Jacobs and, and carry a high workload, I, I think the, the run blocking from the offensive line has been improved in, enough in the last few weeks. And then the Chargers' run defense is so bad that you would expect – Jacobs to have a pretty good game in this one. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, can he stay on the field often enough?
1: Carr is so good at the two-minute offense. I wonder why not just go with a hurry up of offense to start off with. Why not just try and change the tempo and get to a different kind of feel to this game? I think last time you guys mentioned they tried to establish a run game and it didn't work. I still, I mean... This own line's not good enough. I'm not sure the running game is good enough where you can try it again. I would definitely try to set up the run with the pass. I know they, I mean, ideally Waller's back, that'd be a big plus for him. But they still have enough tools. I think they can kind of get this thing going in a different direction off the start. I wouldn't, I know they're going to try and establish a run because you mentioned the Chargers aren't good against the run. But I just think that might be the wrong approach. I think you got to try something different. I would definitely try and, and pass first and, and get, get it going that way. Yeah, I think
3: you can, like, you know, mix. Because I think on the opening drive against the Colts, like, it was pretty evenly split between run and pass. But that tempo was there and everything was, you know, kind of – obviously, it's all scripted to start the game, so it makes sense that it would be. But, you know, whether they're pass heavy or run heavy, uh, I think that tempo element that you're just speaking about is is pretty important. And and it's something that they've shown that they're capable of doing. I think it's just a matter of – because we've seen them throughout this winning streak, they've gotten off to – to pretty good starts, I would say, in, in all three of these games, but they always kind of had that mid-game lull. Um, it, it's kind of flipped from what it was at the start of the season. They were coming out really slow, and then they would pick it up midway through the game. Now they're starting fast, and then getting that that midway kind of kind of slump. And so, I think them consistently. Um, obviously, you're not going to score every drive, but. Um, not having those multiple drives in a row where you're getting nothing out of the offense is going to be key for them, just because I think the Chargers offense is, is way too explosive to come up empty, um, you know, two, three, four times in a row. Yeah,
2: you know, we referenced it earlier, but it does sound like Darren Waller should be able to make his return. Um, Raiders got him back out of practice on Wednesday, and, and the key was just to kind of see make sure he comes in Thursday, not feeling any extra soreness that he's able to go. But, I mean, you can't understate... You know, getting back of a guy who is, you know, a Pro Bowl caliber tight end. Obviously, if he wasn't hurt, he'd probably be going to another Pro Bowl. He's an All Pro caliber tight end. He's one of the best in the league. I mean, if they can get him back. You know, maybe even not at 100 percent because, you know, we'll see what his conditioning levels like, not only missing a month, but then also going on the COVID list. But if they can get him back, what does that add to their offense? I mean, it gives them such a, another dynamic weapon that we've seen what Hunter Renfro has done, especially with Waller out. But you can combine Waller, Renfro, and then, you know, Zay Jones has been on a nice little run, Vic. He's your guy and uh, and he's he, you're finally getting rewarded for uh, being on the Zay Jones train. My guy,
1: uh, yeah, he's playing better. I, I, I think Waller gives him a big play guy. I think they've been missing a guy who can make a big play on a third down, even get open deep. I think also in this game, the least preoccupied during James and during James is obviously a, a stud and a guy who will be all over the place. But if Waller's out there, definitely would limit. I think what James can can do as far as all other things. So I think definitely he's a guy who, if he's out there, the Chargers have to have to attack their this game differently than they would if he wasn't out there. So just on that level, I think it's, it's a big deal.
0: Even if you look at the last game, Hunter Renfro has been getting a lot of attention from defenses on that um, interception that Carr threw uh, when he tried to throw Deshaun Jackson deep. Yeah, I don't know if they did it on purpose or just ended up looking like this, but Hunter Renfro ended up getting triple teamed. Both safeties you know, came down in the box and was bracketing uh, Renfro, and that's why Carr had to chuck it deep to Deshaun Jackson. But I mean, you, you won't be able to do that with Darren Waller on the field. Because if you had to double one of those guys, you're you're probably going to double Waller, even if he's not 100%. So just Waller being on the field is going to open things up for this offense, for sure.
1: Plus, I'll add the trickle down, like in the red zone, if Waller's out there, all of a sudden, uh, Foster Moreau is a much bigger weapon. Foster Moreau, I think, definitely can be a guy who can expose your second linebacker on defense. So I think just in the red zone alone, that's also another factor.
2: Obviously, a big impact uh, part of this three-game winning streak has been what their defense has been able to do. And, and granted, they've played you know, Carson Wentz and you know, Nick Mullen and Drew Locke. And, and so that that obviously plays a factor. And we'll see if they can, what they can do against Justin Herbert. But their defense, I mean, this, this gives them an opportunity to really close out what's been an impressive season. And if they can get it done against Justin Herbert, against an offense that we all acknowledge is, is explosive, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, all the weapons they have, if they can get it done Against that offense, against Justin Herbert on Sunday, I mean, this will really put a nice stamp on on what's been a bounce back season for this defense, and and really what's been an impressive season for Gus Bradley, Yannick Ngakwe, Max Crosby, Casey Hayward, Denzel Perryman. Obviously, Vic, you wrote about him here on Thursday. It just it it would be a nice way to just say like, yeah, this defense has has really delivered all season.
3: Yeah, I think you know the biggest kind of question mark for the for the defense as of late has been you know can the secondary hold up against, you know, kind of an actually good quarterback. We haven't really seen them go against one in the last three weeks. They've had a lot of moving parts there back there with the injuries. You know, I mean, it looks like Roger Teamer is going to be the starting box safety um, now that he's back off the COVID list. And Desmond Trufant seems to have carved out that other uh, starting cornerback role opposite of Casey Hayward. You know, he's a little bit long in the two, but he's been playing pretty well, um, I, I would say, the last three weeks. Um, he's, he's looked pretty good in all 22. And then the big question mark, obviously, this week, uh, we, we've talked about it, yeah, but, you know, Nate Hobbs was arrested for DUI on Monday. But, you know, the, the Rich Passaccia said yesterday that, that he's going to be able to play Sunday. He said it's a legal, legal matter. He wouldn't elaborate too much. But apparently whatever information they got made, made them feel comfortable, allowing him to play. And so that secondary still basically has two backups. Um, now that Hobbs will be out there. So can they hold up? Uh, against Justin Herbert, I think the big part of that will be, you know, is the pass rush. We've seen it be strong all year. Um, they've had some lapses here and there, but, you know, if the pass rush is clicking at that peak level that it's kind of been at during this three-game winning streak and put some pressure on Herbert, I think that may be, you know, it's just as important as, as how the secondary is playing and, and you know, probably will decide how, how good of a performance
1: it is for the defense. You mentioned Hayward. He's had a really good year this year. The one thing missing has been that big play. He's dropped some interceptions and kind of been close making some kind of huge momentum changing plays and hasn't gotten that done. So this would be a great game for him against his former team to kind of make a statement. And again, he's had a really, really good year. I think it's been a nice surprise for everybody, but this would be kind of like cement. I think his status is a rare to remember if he made a big play in this game and you know, the biggest game in 10 years. And he kind of it's definitely the stage is set for him to do something special.
0: In the games that Herbert hasn't played well, it's when that offensive line, you know, has gotten overwhelmed and they do, you know, Rashawn Slater, the left tackle has been one of the best left tackles of the league, but they, they have the weaknesses on that offensive line, especially at right tackle where Max Crosby rushes off of. So, you know, it's pretty cliche to say you have to be able to pressure a four, but Crosby needs to have one of his best games of the season. He has to dominate this game and, and really harass Justin Herbert. I still don't think that you can rely on having a a stellar defensive performance just with the way this offense has been playing in the past four weeks. But, you know, you need some stops. And
3: I think if Crosby just plays out of his mind, it's going to go a long way. Yeah, I think another – you know, obviously all the focus is going to be on Herbert or most of it, but also they have to do a better job against Austin Eckler. Uh, He really – had a big game against them last time, both running the ball and, and, and in the receiving game. It, you know, like the Raiders for a while, they've had issues with their linebackers covering running backs, but I think Devon Diablo, his evolution since that game, obviously he wasn't playing on defense for them then. I think he's a better matchup in coverage for Eckler. And then also their run defense has been obviously much better. and. They may be getting Jonathan Hankins back this week. Um, he's been out for the last couple of games, but they're thinking that he should be able to practice uh, today as we're recording this. But if they're able to get him back in combination with how Darius Filon has been playing in the middle and the improvement we've seen from Max Crosby in the running game and having Denzel Perriman back out there, I think if they can make this Chargers offense more one-dimensional and, and kind of bottle up Austin Eckler in a better way this game, that would also help their effort at turn.
4: We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. All right, we're going to talk a little bit more about the
2: Chargers now. We'd like to welcome in our Chargers beat writer for the Athletic, Daniel Popper. You can't get much bigger than this. It's Week 18. You've got the Raiders-Chargers divisional matchup, likely a winner-take-all. Obviously, a small percentage chance that the Raiders could get in uh, if the the Jaguars were able to beat the Colts and the Steelers lose to the Ravens, and and then there's the other scenario where both teams get in, but. We're assuming it's winner-take-all on Sunday night, divisional matchup. You know, for the Chargers, they've got Justin Herbert, second-year quarterback. Looks like he's going to be a superstar. They've got their first-year head coach, Brandon Staley. I mean, just what's the excitement level like? What's it like in L.A. for the Chargers right now as they're getting ready to play this game uh, with a chance for them to get into the playoffs?
5: It's an enormous moment for the franchise. You know, they haven't made the playoffs since 2018. They've only had two playoff appearances since Tom Telesco took over as general manager in 2013. So it really is an indication of this thing moving forward. You know, you've seen the improvement from Justin Herbert. It would obviously be his first playoff appearance. Brandon Staley in his first year as, as head coach leading this team to the playoffs would obviously, you know, be very supportive of him being the right guy to lead this thing. So there's a lot on the line. You know, My opinion on whether this is a successful season for the Chargers isn't really going to change depending on this game. But obviously there's a ton of excitement. And then obviously for the Chargers trying to get a foothold in a new city to have a playoff appearance um, and even to have this game on national television with the entire nation watching and so much on the line is obviously good for the organization in that regard as well.
1: In your opinion, what's been the biggest issue with defense? Why hasn't the defense been better this year?
5: It's two things. It's the run defense has been really inconsistent and they just haven't had the depth on the defensive line to weather some injuries. You know, when Justin Jones has been on the field, they've been a good run defense. When he hasn't been on the field, they haven't been a good run defense. And so I think it's a depth issue there. When they have all their pieces they're they're pretty solid, but they've been inconsistent there. And then the other thing is third down defense. They have the worst third down defense in the league. And I think that goes back to a little bit of the run defense getting into a lot of third and shorts, but then also, all the moving pieces they've had in the secondary. They really haven't had their starting secondary for much of the season. Asada Samuel Jr., Michael Davis, Chris Harris, Derwin James, and Nas Adderley. Last week against the Broncos is actually the first time they'd all played together and been healthy for a full game since week one. Um, and then just the way Brandon Staley plays defense schematically, like it relies so much on communication and continuity, passing off routes and all of that stuff. And, and that when you don't have your pieces and you have all these moving guys in and out, you know, it's going to be really hard for them to, to be consistent in that area. When they've had all their guys, they've been a lot better on third down, they've been a lot better on pass defense. Um, so those two areas are things that have really jumped out defensively for me. On offense, it seems like
3: they've had some kind of peculiar lows, like against the Broncos or earlier in the season or, or the, the weird Texans game. In terms of that, do you think it's just kind of like the, the variance of a season or, or has there been something that, that jumps out with the offense?
5: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of that. When, when you look at it on aggregate, they're still, you know, top three offense in the league, you know, regardless of what efficiency metric you look at. So they've been a really, really good offense. But when they've had their lulls, it's been just turnovers and then in, inopportune mistakes. You know, at one point in the season, they were leading the league in drops. They've had a lot of penalties and really crucial moments. And with the way the defense has been playing, not being able to stop the run and not being able to get off the field on third down, there just haven't been that many opportunities offensively. And so it's really decreased the margin of error. So those mistakes have really been been magnified. But with this offense, like if, if they show up and they don't turn the ball over and they limit penalties, they're going to put up points. They just have too much talent. And, and I think the scheme is really sound. I think Joe Lombardi has done a really good job. But when they've had their lulls, it's just been, you know, different mistakes at different moments, protection breakdowns, penalties, turnovers, drops that have just derailed drives. And when you don't have a ton of opportunities, you know, those those mistakes get magnified.
2: Obviously, one of the big storylines that came out of the last Chargers Raiders matchup was the postgame comment from Joey Bosa. And, you know, Derek Carr always kind of takes the high road there. And like even even on Wednesday, he was like, you know, he he also said that I'm a great guy. And, you know, let's let's focus on the positive. Uh, What do you expect in this game? Uh, You know, I mean, Carr even said, like, yeah, I'll probably be talking crap to him throughout the game. What do you expect between Bosa and Derek Carr in this one?
5: We haven't gotten Joey Bosa after a game since that legendary post-game press conference, so that has been unfortunate for the media because after games, he can be pretty riled up and tremendous, as everyone saw. You know, Joey's the type of player, it's really interesting, like, he sort of flips the switch. Like, if you piss him off, he's, he's going to find a different gear. Like, it happened in the Broncos game. They caught it on the mic'd up where Drew Locke started yelling out, he's tired, he's tired. He's tired. On the very next play, Joey shot through the line of scrimmage and uh, tackled Melvin Gordon for a tackle for loss and then got up and looked at Drew Locke and said, I'm not effing tired. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, the final stretch of the season has sort of been a little bit up and down for Joey Bosa just because he was on the COVID list. He's been in and out of the lineup. He had sort of hit his stride where he had, you know, six sacks in seven games. The only game he didn't have a sack was when he left early in the game with an ankle injury and five of those sacks were sack fumbles. So, you know, we're sort of looking for, Joey Bosa to refine his form, but he's one of the premium edge rushers in the league. Um, you know he's going to show up for a game like this and he's the type of guy that will hold some grudges so i'm sure uh he'll be fired up for this one and be looking to get after Derek Carr yeah
3: i feel like what, what dictated the game last time was just that the Chargers front you know completely dominated the, the Raiders offensive line you know they couldn't pass protect that's one of their worst pass protecting game this year and then they couldn't run the ball either the Raiders offensive line they have that same five man unit which was their, their first time using it against the Chargers and they've been together for some weeks now that Chargers front do you feel like it's capable of still putting that together That kind of performance and not only rushing the passer, but also stopping the run, given their run struggles this year.
5: Yeah, it feels like that's what the game's going to come down to. Like everything with this Chargers team is like, can they stop the run? Like whenever I'm analyzing, okay, what's going to happen in the game? I always start there because everything revolves around that, because if they stop the run, they get into more third and longs. If they get into more third and longs, they get off the field more on third down. If they get more off the field more on third down, they give their offense more opportunities. And that's really what, what it comes down to. They've been really inconsistent against the run and their pass rush has also come and gone. At times, despite having a ton of talent up there, particularly with Joey Bosa and then Chenin Nwosu on the other side. So it really feels like that's what it's going to come down to, And even on both sides of the ball, right? Because the Raiders have really stopped the run over these last three games to get some really good rushing teams. Can the Chargers get the running game going? It's been a decent running game. Like if most football games are going to come down to the trenches, but it really feels like with the way these two teams are playing and the, some of the inconsistencies that they both had. You know, it's, is it going to come down to you know the trenches? It certainly feels that way.
1: Outside of the quarterbacks, give me a key player you think has to play well on Sunday night for you guys to win. Or for you guys, sorry, for the Chargers to win.
5: Derwin James, obviously, is the guy that jumps out. When he's playing at his best, it's pretty special to watch just because he does so much for this team. And when they have their full secondary, they really are able to move him around. He had his most pass-rushing snaps in a game on Sunday since week six. And it's really what the defense is supposed to look like. You know, they can move Chris Harris back to safety and put Derwin James in the slot. They can put Derwin James at edge rusher. They play him at money backer. They put him at post safety. They put him at half field safety. He really does everything you can ask a defensive player to do. And, and we really saw that come to fruition last week once they got their guys healthy. So with everyone healthy this week, I would expect Derwin James to make some, pl- some splash plays and be moved around a bunch and really have an impact on this game because I, I think he's, he's playing at an all-pro level this season.
2: All right, we are going to make our predictions in a little bit, but we're not going to let you get out of here without... Uh, we normally don't call on uh, our guests to, to make a prediction, but, I mean, this is a, a winner-take-all playoff game. So what happens on Sunday night? Uh, are you, uh, a week from now, preparing for a Chargers playoff game, or are Vic and Tashan getting ready to, uh, to to book a trip to a playoff game?
5: Well, Jimmy, you know I'm preparing for a playoff game because we're uh, we're working on this feature together. I'm predicting a Colts loss to the Jags, and then both teams running three times in the line of scrimmage and punting for a 0-0 tie. No, okay. Actually, no, I have the Chargers winning. I just, I'm a big numbers guy. So I've been, you know, obviously diving in the numbers. It just feels like the Chargers are a better team in games like these. In the way the NFL is played right now, you look at, okay, who has the better offense? And, and it, the chart, it just feels like the Chargers have the better offense. They have the better quarterback. And, and I'm going to lean into that in a game like this. So I got the Chargers winning, uh, let's say, 30 to 24.
2: All right, man, which should be a fun game on Sunday night. Uh, prime time, winner goes to the playoffs. I mean, you can't ask for much more than that for a Week 18 game. So uh, appreciate it, Pop, and uh, we'll see what happens on Sunday.
5: See you in Vegas, guys. Thanks for having me.
2: All right, well, Daniel has the Chargers winning. We'll see what we have to say uh, in a little bit here. But before we get to our predictions, we are going to go to the mailbag. And we're going to start with a question that references something we just talked about with Pop. Aaron B says, last time we played the Chargers, Joey Bosa clowned Derek Carr after the game. Do you think Derek is fired up to talk shit back? Do you think Derek ever uses bad words? He claims he doesn't. We are not privy to the privacy of his, uh, private conversations, but, uh, we'll take him at his word, right? That, uh, that he, that he never curses. But I mean, he said he, he's looking forward to like, he'll talk some crap back and forth with, with Bosa during the game. And, um, I mean, it, it, it might be, you know, the the Philip Rivers-type uh, trash talk, but he'll have some words. If he, just because he doesn't curse doesn't mean that he doesn't talk with uh, with other guys on the other side. Yeah,
1: he'll talk. I think, you know, looking back, I, I like to think that there's games he plays angry. I think he plays better when he's angry. So maybe he's he's saying it's not a big deal and whatever. We're, we're friends. Maybe he takes a personally. that he, he should. Maybe he kind of comes out this game with a different edge to him. I think that would be good for the Raiders. I think an angry Derek Carr is, is a better Derek Carr.
2: You've written that column a time or two or three. I have, I have, yeah,
1: in my eight years, yeah.
2: Question here from Daniel M. What is the feeling among the players? Just a few weeks ago, guys had to call out other players for coasting. Has that been resolved? One three in a row, I think they're in good shape.
3: It always sounds better when they're winning games, but, you know, everybody sounds fairly confident going into this one. Um, you know, they've, they haven't they have really been, I don't know why people keep asking them about this dumbass tie scenario, but they've been asked about, you know, the different ways they can make it in the playoffs if they tie or lose or whatever. And they're just focused on beating the Chargers because they know that's the simplest way. If they do that, they make the playoffs. All the other scenarios don't matter. And so they, they seem locked in. They seem focused and obviously motivated to go and get the job done this weekend.
0: If you don't get motivated and focused on this game, then it's just not going to happen. You don't deserve to get in the playoffs anyways. So. Yeah, I mean, I think they their focus should be hundred percent, you know, in pr- their preparation and c- coming into the game.
2: Yeah, the whole tie scenario is, is stupid. I don't, I don't know why anybody is is bothering to ask them about that. I mean, it's
1: besides being competitively stupid, like no one's going to play for a tied NFL. But also, in this case, if we say if the Jags win and blah blah blah, so the winner of this game, the Chargers and the Raiders, would then be able to avoid. Going to KC in all likelihood. I mean, you don't want to go to KC. I mean, that's probably a number two team in the, in the playoffs. So that's a pretty big reason to win the game and not go to KC, I would think.
2: I know the point that it's like, okay, so if the Steelers win, you know, you don't 100% need a win. But like, OK, let's say the Steelers lose and like the, the Jaguars lose. Then you're still in that position where you're in and the Chargers could get into the playoffs with a win. Like and at that point, like if you're in, you kind of don't really care who the other person of the other team is. Like, especially if the Steelers lose, you're not going to like, OK, well, let's tie guys so we can both get in. That's just uh,
3: turn in the page.
2: Next question up from Tyler G. With the performance of several players on the up, Perryman, Crosby, Hayward, Merrick, Renfro, I have come around on that idea of Basasha and the current staff sticking around. Even if they lose to the Chargers, is Basachia going to get serious consideration for the full-time job? Vic, you've been on record all along. Playoffs are bust. Does the three-game winning streak give Basachia some chance, if they lose, to, uh, to still stick around?
1: I don't think so, but I guess it depends on what kind of game it is Sunday. Is it a close game? Is it down to the wire? Or they, they look good? I mean, do they come out and – like the last game 10 years ago, they laid an egg. So, I mean, that was why, one of the reasons why Hugh Jackson didn't come back. So, it's that kind of game. So, I think there's still a lot to be figured out. I'm sure Mark Davis still has a lot of ideas in his mind. If he wants to bring a big-name guy, a big-name college coach guy. I mean, so there's so many options you can consider. But, obviously, I think if they win this game and they're in the playoffs – I think you look at the players, how they played for Rich, and I think to look at the guys that Mike, Mack could able to draft that played well, those are probably reasons enough to kind of give these guys another year. But, um, again, I think so much can happen. I think it depends on how the game goes. Win or lose, You know how they play is also a, a big factor in my mind.
2: And it feels like any scenario in which he does stick around, he's not getting like a six-year contract. It's, it's going to be one of those shorter-term, probably three-year head coaching contracts where it's like, okay – we're going to keep you around for a couple more years. And, hey, if next year goes haywire and we need to get out of it with two years left, like we can. I don't, I, don't, I don't see him getting a large contract if he does stick around. All right. Well, you mentioned Mark Davis. So, Joshua T, are we all in agreement that Mark Davis actually saved the season? We are undefeated since he had the at least we're winning off the field comment. Mark Davis officially moves up into wow. the top three of the NFL <laughs> owner power rankings. <laughs>
1: I never, I even thought, I, I forgot about that. That was really an inspirational moment, it's so true. Like, it really galvanized mm-hmm. the whole team with that, that comment that I'm sure two-thirds of the players never even heard. But, um, sure, let's give Mark Davis credit. He definitely uh, galvanized his team and uh, got them to play well against uh, Nick Mullins and, and Drew Locke and, and Carson Morris.
2: Can we get him executive of the year?
1: Yes, def- no, no there doubt. We there we go, all
0: right. You got to write about this motivational tactic, Vic, this amazing... <laughs> ownership motivational tactic
1: it's good man kind of the offhand remark which uh people don't really register but you realize that kind of a you know, subconscious level kind of struck a chord with the players like you know what let's let's do better
2: all right michael h how will the raiders prioritize the contracts of Derek carr hunter renfro and darren waller is renfro worth top 10 receiver money and might he get such a deal elsewhere obviously important to note none of them are upcoming free agents Especially a guy like Derek Carr, quarterbacks typically do not play under lame duck deals. Renfro and Waller, they don't have to be extended this offseason, but you would think there would be some consideration there, especially with the the cap room and some exploding cap coming up here. But how would you prioritize Carr, Renfro, or Waller? I mean,
3: obviously Carr is the, like over anybody, you know, that's that's the biggest chip that you have to figure out if you're going to give him, you know, I mean, well, with, that's, with a, that's the question. Is that He's the first decision, right? But is he the top priority? Of course. He's Derek Carr. He's, a, he's your starting quarterback. I mean, he's he's the biggest money, like, longest years. I mean, he's the one that's not going to play on that contract next year. So, I mean, Hunter Merrill's been great. But, like, your flat receiver and, and your tight end is locked up anyway. I, I think your quarterback is is very clearly the the top priority there.
2: That's if they want him, right? Everyone everyone wants to say that they, uh, they don't want him.
3: I mean, like, if they don't, I mean, good luck. I don't know if they're drafting Malik Willis or – Matt Corral or whatever they're doing at quarterback, but uh My guy Sam, yeah, Howell, Sam Howell. Yeah, Sam Howell. But uh <sighs> Yeah, you know, I mean with the way Derek Carr's played this season, them being in the playoff line, especially if they make the playoffs, like I it's not guaranteed, you know, obviously, especially if they're bringing in a new coach and a new GM, how those guys feel about Derek. But this doesn't seem like a great offseason to move on from Derek Carr unless you're swinging a trade from Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Rodgers. You know what I mean? Like, really about Big Rush. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, but the way Russ has looked at in Seattle, like, I don't, yeah, obviously, Derek Carr. And I would say probably Renfro just because, um, you know, given the amount of money that he's making as a mid round pick and the kind of season that he had, I think he has a lot more leverage to go get an extension. I'm not saying he's a better player than Darren Waller, but. But Waller being injured and already kind of being on a deal that was an extension for him, I don't think he has like a a ton of, I mean, he's still Darren Waller, but I don't know that he has a ton of leverage to be like, I need a new deal right now. So I'd probably say Carr, Renfro, and and Waller.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think Carr is definitely a top priority. I think Renfro is a guy who I'm sure you told him, hey, man, we'll take care of you at some point. they would be like, cool, that's fine with me. So I think there's no rush there. And I think Waller, he mentioned, had some injuries this year. and uh, Obviously, as a new agent, he wants a big contract at some point. I'm not sure it has to happen right now, so I definitely think figuring out Derek Carr's future and how much you're going to take to pay him and how that works is definitely the top uh, top priority and the top box you got to check.
2: All right, last question here from Brendan W. It's the most important question we are going to get this week. What song is Vic going
3: yeah, to sing see, when uh, the Raiders win? No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, I'll just sing it. Why don't we have? I mean, this is the Raiders, right? Why don't we have them rap something?
1: You want me to like rap? some ice
3: cube? <laughs> yeah. like some Too Short? Or, you know what I mean? Like, what, what is up with all this singing? It's the Raiders. See, I'm going to
1: say something I'm going to regret. But when I was a teenager, I could beatbox a little bit. Hey, do that. I'll so. go for rap. I
3: want bars. But, Fuck all this singing. Let's get bars. some bars.
2: Why didn't all the social media exist when Vic was younger? I wish we could, like, go dig all these, these third-grade oh, performances man. up. It is, it's high school beatboxing. Or...
1: I could go down to the win Club with my, my guy Marshmallow there. My guy Marshmallow and I could do some stuff after the game if they win. Shout out to Marshmallow, my guy. So we'll see what happens, but yeah, I'm not. I think the singing thing was nice, and I think we should move on from that for a while. No, like
5: you the, you
2: said, you you said you're you're gonna keep it going as long as they yeah, win. I so, want uh, yeah, uh, I
3: never uh,
1: said that. Brian, oh, right? find the record. Oh, play play, play it back. Gonna, gonna play I never said that. I never Brian's said gonna, that. Brian's gonna replay gonna the tape play, here. Play, play that back. I never said that. Media always misquotes people, man. I hate the media. Always misquoting me.
2: All right, guys. Uh, prediction time. Daniel's got the the Chargers winning. Everybody wants us to predict the Chargers to win. I think yes, because um, you know last week we all predicted the Colts to win, and and we immediately said, well, congratulations to the Raiders on that big win. But who wants to bat leadoff? Who's uh, I'm gonna
3: jump out and say it. Raiders 33, Chargers 30. Raiders Ooh, are going to the playoffs. Damn it, Sean! Raiders are going to the playoffs.
2: Did the, uh, the six game winning kick of the year for uh, Daniel Carlson? I think so.
3: I think so. I think it's tied 30 to 30. Derek Carr gets the ball back with. Around two minutes left. They drive down the field and Darren Daniel Carlson comes through. Send them to the playoffs, man. I think they I think they pull it off. I know back when they were five and two, we all said they'd be a wild card team. And look, look what's happening. It's gonna it's You're gonna right, come to fruition. True. So I'm I'm going with the Raiders.
2: I need to check the seeding because uh remember back when we like halfway point we made our bold predictions or whatever, and I predicted Raiders as a wild card team going to Tennessee in the wild card round. And I you know, Tennessee I know is currently sitting in the one seed. But Kansas City can still steal away the number one seed. So it's still on the table. Um, the Raiders, you know, we haven't discussed exact seeding here. The Raiders, it, with a win, would likely slot in at the number six seed. But I believe if the Bills or the Patriots lost, they would jump up to the five seed. So they could get all the way as high up as the five. They would only be the seven seed, I believe. That, that would have to require that whole, you know, Steelers losing, Colts losing and then the raiders losing to the chargers and i think the chargers would be 6 raiders would be 7 there's still a lot of uh, seeding options for them um where they get in but uh it's still a possibility that they could be in the wild card playing the titans i believe
1: if the colt's win aren't they playing for 7 if the colt's win aren't the chargers and raiders playing for 7
2: no, because the Charger, the Raiders have the tiebreaker over the Chargers. They would, they would seed ahead of the of the Colts. Uh, the Raiders have the tiebreaker ahead of the Colts because they beat them. So they would both be ten and seven. Raiders would slot ahead at the number six seed. So yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Raiders win. They get that matchup, Ow. get that matchup against the Titans. I'll go thirty five twenty eight.
0: I'm not gonna curse the Raiders by giving us a unanimous uh, Raider choice on this podcast. It wasn't It wasn't going to be unanimous. So don't <laughs> so, worry about that, but go ahead. I mean, <laughs> you know, like Daniel said, just looking at the numbers and um, just seeing how Justin Herbert has played in, the, in these last four weeks, it's hard for me to see the, the Raiders beating them in a high-scoring game. So I think the Chargers end up winning this one 33-27.
1: I'm also going to respect the wishes of our faithful listeners and readers. I'm going to pick the uh, Chargers to win. I picked it against the Raiders three times in a row now, so that's going well for everybody. So this is four. But I just think, um, in all seriousness, I think the running back – people talk about the, the quarterback matchup. I think the running back matchup is just huge. and I think I have more confidence in Austin Eckler than I do in Josh Jacobs in that crew. So I think the like Eckler has a big game. I'll say Chargers uh, 28, Raiders 21.
3: Yeah, I'm kind of in an upset mood this week because I'm, I'm participating in our expert picks this year. And, like, me and uh, our Pittsburgh writer, Mark – we're tied for first place. So I need, I need to start picking some upsets so I can get my advantage of over him. So hopefully I win it. My, my Raiders record is terrible, but like when I'm picking the entire league, I should have been Vic this year. I should have put some money in. I never bet, but I would have made me some money this year, man. All
2: right, well, everybody. It's going to be a fun one on Sunday night. I mean, playoffs are bust. Uh, you can't ask for much more week 18. Obviously everybody would love to be locked in and loaded already in the playoffs, but, uh, It's going to be a fun one. I mean, enjoy that game. Enjoy watching it. And uh, we'll see if the Raiders can get themselves into the playoffs. Talk to you guys later.
1: Come say hi to me and Marshmallow in the club after the game also.